You are listening to the Catholic Recon Podcast, testimonies from Catholic reverts and converts. I'm your host, Eddie Trask. Don't forget to leave a review and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Catholic Recon, testimonies from reverts and converts. I'm your host, Eddie Trask, and this week's guest I just met a few minutes ago. We went back and forth through email. Uh, I'm just so privileged to know a number of people that are kind enough to say, hey, I know someone that could uh, really, really share uh, a detailed, joyous uh, testimony, and that is uh, Nate Shugren, right? Did I get it right? That's right. Spot right on. on. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for being on the show. I want to get right into yeah. it. Um, I'd love to know as far back as childhood, if, if that is relevant, mm-hmm. how this, this journey started. Yeah, for sure. It's a good place to start. Um, yeah, so I, I was raised um, in a, um, yeah, a Protestant church. Um, I definitely didn't hear the word Protestant being thrown around. It was, you know, we were just Christians. Um, non-denominational? Know, or Exactly. Okay. Yeah, non-denominational, you know, Bible Christians, you know, everything was, you know, around the Bible. Um, and my, you know, I remember my dad, you know, always having a Bible next to his chair, his recliner, always reading it. Um, set a really good example that way and, um, you know, really was just um, raised that way, you know, in, in the family with, with a great, you know, Christian upbringing surrounded by a lot of Christian family. Um, and yeah, that's, that's really how the, how the journey started, I would say. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, it was, you know, it was, my faith was pretty much, um, was pretty standard. I, I feel like most of my life, you know, I, by the time I got to high school, I was really embedded in youth group. All my friends were just solid Christian friends and, um, just such a good childhood and such a good time, um, in high school because of that. And, um, it just, yeah, it was just, I really enjoyed all that time and just made so many good friends, um, through youth group. And, um, and that's really where I feel like, you know, things started to change once I graduated high school. Um, and then I, the youth group was done, you know, I was done with that, that life. And, um, and I was completely disconnected from that kind of routine of that community. And I was kind of left to my own, um, you know, understanding of what was left and what, what faith meant to me. And I think that's where things started to shift. And when you say they started to shift, what, what specifically happened? And, you know, do you remember like some clear uh, yeah break or was it kind of just this gradual thing yeah it was it was a little bit gradual and then it was just like a a day it just hit me like I um I was just kind of um you know I wasn't going to college I wasn't high school anymore I was just kind of doing my own thing kind of like you know starting to get depressed and kind of just you know being um very just um you know I didn't want to go to church anymore I just kind of was just in my head in my room and I, um, so I, I slowly started to just like, you know, kind of not care about going to church as much. And then, um, my older brother actually, um, who, who had probably, who had been away from the faith, maybe a couple of years, sent me a film called Zeitgeist. That's, that's <laughs> um, my, my brother sent that to me. What? He, yeah. Innocently, he would say like, Hey, you know, change, you know, oh, broaden your perspective or, I don't know, but that happened to me what? in my early twenties, but go ahead. Sorry, I just wanted to say, and I've heard that from other yeah. people too. So, okay. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. I, I, um, yeah. So that's amazing. I mean, not amazing, but yeah, it's, yeah. it makes sense. It's a powerful film. Um, and really, you know, for those who don't know, it's, it's really like a, almost like a conspiracy kind of series. Um, one part is basically debunking Jesus and the other, as far as I remember was like, you know, the conspiracy of 9-11 and how it was an inside job or something like that. Um, and so that part to me was like, okay, this is kind of weird, but wow, interesting. But the thing about Jesus, how it goes back and like systematically basically puts forward this historical case that like Jesus wasn't really like anything special. He was just like a made up person. Like everything was, you couldn't break it down. He was just made up, you know, and it like rocked my, like, I remember like after watching it, I didn't just like doubt. I was like, 
everything like I, I I can't really take anything at face value anymore and I immediately the next day was questioning everything my um the bible what was the bible all about it was you know 2000 years ago it was put together and now all of a sudden like my whole life is around these words in this bible and everything revolves around it it felt like a fairy tale um and it just started to that that was definitely where I just I just like dropped off and was like okay well I don't think I believe in Jesus anymore and how how long how long did that period last? And did you feel some type of freedom in that moment? Absolutely because some not. people describe it that way. Like, oh, oh yeah. okay, I just realized I had shackles on or something. And somehow yeah. not, be- not believing in a supreme being was uh, liberating for them, you know? Yeah, no, it definitely wasn't um, freeing to me. It was um, more of like a loss of hope. And like, a, um, I just went to further into depression, I would yeah. say. Um, and, and I just, yeah, definitely was kind of shrouded in kind of this, um, I don't know what I'm doing with anything anymore. Like everything was in question and that probably lasted for, um, I would say it was the, the whole, the whole point, you know, the whole, that whole, um, situation was probably like a year long process, but, um, for like a few months, I was starting to realize the weight of what that would mean for my future. Like I started to realize like, my whole life was Christian and it was, it was great because I felt like I had the hope in the community and everything about it was great, except for the fact that it, I didn't, I couldn't really trust it. And so I started to think like, I don't want to lose that. I don't know if it's, if it's real like or not, but I don't want to lose that world. And I know if I want to, if I want to um, remain in that world, I need to like go to college somewhere that's a Christian school that where I can be surrounded by people. And it was, you know, it's totally a Holy spirit moment because I was completely gone. Like, like I was like, I don't think I believe any of this, but I knew at least I had to hang on to the community and and that was going to be the one thing that was going to help me maintain a, a right path. Got it. So then what so, did you, what, what was the next, I guess, big step? Cause you're saying Holy spirit moment. Yeah. What, was the, what was the next thing that, that followed? Yeah. So, so what happened before that moment, um, my best friend who was Catholic, um, he had, he had left, um, Roseburg, Oregon, where, where I was. And he, um, started attending, um, John Paul, the great Catholic university down in San Diego. And it's a Catholic film school. He was the second class. So it was very, very new school. Him, he and I made films together throughout high school. We were just like the film dudes, you know, we were, you know, notorious, famous, whatever you want to say, um, as far as like our filmmaking goes. And so, he he just like went all in at you know at this school and and he was trying to convince me and I was like yeah I'm not really I don't know if I want to leave I'm you know kind of just like cruising here and then um, when I had that moment of like I need to go to a Christian school um, that's obviously he had been like hitting me up every month saying hey you, you want to come this year you know yeah. and then I and then the school reached out to me saying hey you should apply and um, and so. I, in that moment, I realized I went to my parents. I was like, I think I need to go to this film school. Like it's Christian. Like I really need that. Um, I don't want to go study something just for the sake of studying it. Like, yeah. Like why not film? And so I basically called them up and said, Hey, I'm going to apply. And I, I just went for it and everything like went like that. And within a matter of months, I was down in San Diego at this school. Um, and of course it's a Catholic school. And I, I was like, Oh, it's, a, you know, it's another denomination. Like I, I went into it with that mindset of, you know, it, they may have some interesting practices, um, and traditions, but at least they're Christian, right. That they, they gotta be Christian. And my parents said the same thing. Like, yeah, yeah we're not really worried. Like you should go. It sounds, it sounds like a great community. They actually met some people down there on a trip and we're like, we loved them. You should go to that school. And so my parents encouraged me to go. And so wow. Now, before you went, did you think, oh, wow, maybe you didn't, maybe you weren't aware of this. There are certain schools, clearly any uh, of any background, any religious background where it might just be Protestant in name or Catholic in name. And there's not this big emphasis on theology that relates to yeah. The name of the college, if that makes sense. So, did you? Yeah. Did you think, okay, I'll be able to go and not have to worry about learning actual Catholic teaching? I was, yeah. I mean, I um, I was so like uh, naive that I didn't even that those thoughts didn't even cross my mind. Right. I didn't think about like, oh, I'm going to be taking Catholic theology classes, or I'm going to be like, 
you know, I never thought I was just thinking Christians film school. Yeah. Let's do it. You know, I couldn't even think that that far because I didn't know, I really didn't understand Catholicism. Like I, I would have just expected that it would be like any other Christian school. Like that's my, that was my mindset. Wow. Um, so yeah, it was like, I mean, thank, thank God that that was my view because it was about to radically be changed, you know? <laughs> so did it happen this change and getting, I guess, familiar with Catholic doctrine and teaching, did that happen immediately or did that take, because how long were you at the college? So yeah, I was at the school for about three years. So to okay. the end of 2008 until 2011. Okay. That was when I graduated. So yeah, I, I got there in um, October-ish of um, 2008. And then the classes started soon after. And they, they put a theology class in, in every quarter because you essentially get a minor in theology. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So it's like, it was like an emphasis and I didn't even realize it going into it. Um, and so they really, theology, they have a huge mission statement of impacting culture for Christ, very theologically driven. Um, and so my professor at the time was Dr. Michael Barber. So familiar there with him? Yeah, yes, very much so. He's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He, so this is where like, to me, it's just some, it's just an amazing like coincidence. Yeah. Not coincidence. Um, he was the theology professor at the time. I'm like this, you know, I'm a 18 or 19, 19 year old. I'm sitting in his classes. Like um, he's, he's like, you know, giving these theology talks and then he'll just like be dropping bombs of like about Mary um, about these random things. And, and he was doing it all from scripture. Like he wasn't like, hey, this is what the catechism says, or this is what tradition says. He was just like, these are Bible classes. And he's throwing out these verses that I was like, I have never heard of these verses at all. And mind you, this is me going into it with that doubt of like, I don't even know what the Bible, if I can trust the Bible, where did it come from? Sure. I have all these questions about it. So he's starting to like drop these big bombs. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is crazy stuff. And um and it's Michael Barber. He's super, super good at it. And um, I start asking my friends, you know, especially Kevin, my best friend who I moved down, who I moved down there for, we were roommates and I started to question and I could see his eyes light up. Um, and I immediately was like, it just like blew my mind that these things were being pulled from scripture. And then there was one class where um, we were talking about the authority of the church. And um, he was like, let me ask you this, you know, into the whole class how do we know which books belong in the Bible or how do you know which books belong in the Bible? And I had, it was just a question I had never even thought existed. Like, I didn't know you could ask that question. Like, where did the Bible come from? And these were all the questions that were at the root of my falling away from Christianity. And yeah. he, and he basically laid out the, the, you know, the idea that there's only the only way you can trust the Bible at all, historically, yeah. spiritually, um, divinely is is through uh, the authority of the church and then um that opened my eyes to the history of the church because i had never un i never understood anything from the apostles until 21st century you know so then i i basically just just started reading books it's like give me all the books scott Hahn books um you know any of these books you know barber's books um and so you, you sorry you said from the apostles to basically the current time yeah. so you were just I guess, raised in that sense, you know, it's me and my Bible. So there'd be no reason to question where did any given understanding come from or teaching. It's just, we're handing it to you. Right. Yeah. Because a lot of people will say like, and like in my own experience that I could only go back so far, but it, I'd go back to like mm -hmm. the reformation and look at all the denominations yeah. for 500 years. Mm -hmm. But for people like you, that's fascinating where there's just no, if, if you're not being taught it or it's not being discussed in any way, shape or form, why would you naturally just start asking <laughs> questions about, about the, exactly. the genesis of all of it? Yeah. 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 That exactly that gap in history. Like I didn't know what the Protestant reformation was. I had never really heard about that. I didn't, it was just kind of like, yeah, you know, they, you know, came up with the Bible back when the apostles were there and then, everyone's just been reading it since and we're just doing the same thing they were doing and so this huge gap and so once you you, you know start looking into any of those um, gaps in history it starts to like just so many questions are raised like it's yeah. just i was just like 
give me all the you know answers I can find. Um, and I was just hungry. And so I basically just spent a lot of my time just reading those books and kind of studying to, cause I, I basically got to a point within a matter of weeks, mind you, like I was, I was like, wow, this is everything that they're claiming either has to be like the truth and the, the real way that you look at the Bible or it's complete bogus. Like it's a cult because they're the sacraments they're talking about the, the claiming that they are the ones that came up with the Bible claiming that, you know, this, this bread that they, they eat is actually Jesus. These aren't just like mild claims. And so I, I just had this drive, like, I need to figure out if this is like right or wrong. There's no other way to look at it. And so it kind of launched me into a frenzy of, of, of studying. And then how did you know where to look when, when you say, okay, I'm going to go research this. How did you, what drove you? there you know what I mean yeah no that's a good that's a good um question I, one of my one of my friends at the school um was also a convert but he had converted uh, a year or so before he came to the school and so he gave me a lot of pointers like these are the books that I read you know um obviously Dr. Barber recommended some books sure um and those were Scott Hahn books and then I, I think you know someone recommended home Rome Sweet Home classic you know, classic book to start off with um, from Scott Hahn. And that was, I remember bringing it home and reading it like at home when I was visiting my family and really wrestling with, with what it was saying about, um, you know, Scott Hahn's conversion and everything. And then I think from there, I just, um, yeah, I just kept asking for, for more books from different people around the school. So I wasn't really like looking stuff up online. I was just surrounded by such strong, like, you know, strong Catholics that they were giving me the resources. Um, and then I would start having conversations with some of my friends as well. Like my non-Catholic friends back from childhood, like, did you know this exists in the Bible? Like, what do you think about this verse? And people would be like, I never really thought about that. You know, like it really says, you know, Jesus really says, this is my body. Unless you drink my blood, eat my body and drink my blood, you have no life in you. Like, like, how can we never talked about that growing up? You know? So it just, all these questions came up with, with my friends as well. And, and a little bit with my family. Um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I guess speaking of my family, um, I started to have these like really theological, like be wrestling with these theological points. And I, I, you know, spent a, a few conversations talking with my dad about them and, um, we kind of went back and forth and, and I was kind of, you know, pitching the Catholic case to him. And he kind of had some, some, like, I could tell he had done a little bit of research to like, you know, figure out how to answer them. And he kind of gave me some answers and I was like, well, they're not really convincing. Um, and then we just got to a point where he just said, you know, let's just agree to disagree. Like, sounds like you're on that path. And we just stopped talking about it, kind of like the details And my family, I slowly converted and they were aware the whole time. Um, and, um, and they, they kind of just didn't really know how to like, um, dialogue about it, you know, Got it. Now, when you say slowly converting, so the process of RCIA, were they, yeah. were they, did they come alongside you at any point in that process or because of the lack of dialogue, it was kind of, Hey, you're going to do your thing. We're still going to do our thing. Yeah, exactly. It was just the, the distance and um, the kind of like, you know, agree to disagree thing. I just was doing my thing and, and they probably didn't understand like what I was going through fully because I was just, uh, you know, uh, away from them for a few months at a time. Um, and so, so yeah, I started to, um, I, it, you know, got into RCIA right away. And I was already, I was late, I think, because I was like, by that time, it was, um, I think it was coming upon, you know, December and January, I was entering the new year in 2009. Okay. And then, um, so Dr. Barber and his wife um, gave me an expedited RCIA where, I would go over to their house and they would like, you know, Kevin was my sponsor, of course, and they would make us brownies or dinner. And we would just sit there and just like um, get the theology lessons in person from, from them. Um, and I, it just, it blows my mind to think about it, you know, the, to this day that I got that, um, the honor opportunity. Of being able to, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, so and to was, be able to, um, I've heard a few stories like that where someone has access to a devout Catholic that actually has heard every objection mm -hmm. and knows exactly where to go in scripture. And to, I guess, to your point earlier, to then ground it in a singular authority. Yeah. Because that means everything, you know. 
exactly it all kind of comes back to to a central point a central doctrine and and it just made a lot of sense that way but yeah to have someone that is as knowledgeable as dr barber to to be kind of coaching me through it was just amazing so then how what was the next i guess big moment uh being received into the church or was there something along the path in rcia that that really stood out to you yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, there was definitely a lot of conversations where we kind of dove into some of the doctrines that was like, I remember going into it thinking like, I'm not sure how I'm going to like wrap my mind around this, like of, you know, the, the Marian doctrines, it just felt so foreign to, foreign to elevate Mary to even above just being like a, a lowly, just random person that happened to be involved in the story. Um, and so things like that doctrines were like, okay, I need some more information on this. I need to think it over. Um, but every time, every step along the way, I don't think I ever hit a single roadblock because it kept coming back to, okay, you're showing me where this is in scripture. And then you're also showing me where this is in the, the, throughout the history of the church. So it's not just like, um, oh yeah, well, you know, this is what we came up with in the, you know, the 1600s or something. It was sure. like, no, this is what the church fathers were saying a few years after Christ. And so definitely bringing the church fathers in the, the, the authority to me, it always came back to the authority because of that, that argument that I, that I heard about scripture, because it really just like solidified everything. Okay. The Bible, like I can now trust the Bible again. I, I lost my faith in the Bible, but now I have a a renewed faith in the Bible and understanding of salvation history and of, um, of, you know, just of the church in general. And now of like these theological doctrines that are like interwoven throughout the old and new Testament, it just all started to reinforce every one of the other, um, um, doctrines of the church. So it just, um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that difficult of a process once I got That's past the authority thing. That's incredible. How difficult was it? I love asking this of converts. Um, when you got to the point of confession, reconciliation, oh, yeah. what was that? What was that like for you uh, um, in your twenties for the first time opening your mouth about it? Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, that's a, that's a really great question. To, um, I, I think I had a certain um, grace during that period because I was stoked. Like I was like really, really excited about it. Um, I think um, just because I, I had, I understood like the, the tangible, like practical application of like going through this. Cause I had never had a therapist. I had never, um, well, I was never really encouraged to talk about my, um, sins or anything with anyone. And so once I understood the sacrament of, of, you know, the, the idea that, that this has always existed in the church as a gift from Christ to the apostles initially to forgive sins, because it's an extension of his ministry, um, and, you know, understanding the root of it in scripture and then um, seeing like how everyone just loved going. There were just lines at school, like everyone was in line for it. And it just created such a cool like experience that I was like starting to get excited about going because I started to trust in that um, in the sacrament itself. Like, OK, this is a this is a, a way of forgiveness. And like, I'm excited to partake in that. So, yeah, I mean, the, the experience um, it was very interesting because. I, um, I happened to go the day that I went in to do my first confession happened to be when they were doing one of the, um, uh, open confessions in like the sanctuary, like in the church. So they had like a couple of priests sitting like uh, across the altar from each other out in the open. Wow. And it was like, we had gotten there early. So there was only a handful of people like from my school and like, so it wasn't like it wasn't a packed church, thank God, but there were people there and we were all sitting in the pews waiting in line. And I was like, I just realized like, I got to go do my first confession and I'm sitting in front of everyone, like on a stage. And I was like, but I, it didn't like deter me. Cause I knew like that the priest, it wasn't just a guy listening and people watching it's, This was like, this is something that Jesus had, you know, had set up for me. And so I pulled out my list and was kind of going through and uh, the priest was just, you know, so, so nice. And, um, you know, he just gave me a really good like absolution knowing it was my first confession. And um, it was, it, it was a very interesting experience, but it was, it was powerful and I wouldn't have it any other way. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, it's one thing to be face to face. It's another to, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, face have to faces. Yeah. yeah. yeah to, have, to have an audience. Um, 
exactly so then once you got past that and you received so who was there who was really there when you were received into the church i'm assuming michael and kim and um kevin um but was there other support just from you know uh, yeah colleagues and yep yeah i had a lot of support which was which was awesome i mean being the only i was the only non-catholic at the school and so when i was converting it was like i had just like this um you know fan club like support group just like cheering me on and like they all showed up at the vigil and the vigil was beautiful kevin was there you know obviously the whole time we were just like our friendship was just you know taken to the next level and the, um yeah everyone from the school the the barbers um just a lot of friends i had made the the founders of the school um, um were there so everyone was was there which was which is great um and then a huge part of that was um was I started dating someone at the time and I was you know, really close to her family by the time that I converted. Um, so that was also another interesting thread was that I was dating a Catholic while I was coming into the church. And so I had to, I had to prove to other people and myself that I wasn't converting for a girl, you know, sure. just converting for someone else. And so, um, so that was, a, that was definitely an interesting um, journey, but yeah, her and her family were all there. And that was, um, that was like really, um, yeah, really big deal for sure. Um, yeah, because we, her and I would go on to get married. Um, oh, is that right? Soon, the, soon yeah. thereafter, or was that a? It was a ways after that. Yeah, okay. that was like the early stages of dating, and then we we um, got married maybe three years after that, um, and when I was probably like 24, 25 ish. But yeah, that's I think that's where the whole. Um, that's where the story kind of takes another turn um, because um, yeah, I was really close to her family. We, we had we had been dating for four years um, and I had just come into the church. Everything was like great. Um, and then um, our relationship just went, just tanked. Like it was just going downhill from, um, from after the first year, you know? So we were together probably four years and after the first year just got very emotionally um, just, awful abusive and um it it just started yeah it just got really bad and um i think that's where i started to have kind of a a um i started to have another like crisis of faith during that time um and that's you know there's a couple twists and turns <laughs> to get to this point where i am now but that was one of the big ones because um yeah i mean i, I just what happened there yeah no, I was going to say, when you say crisis of faith, were you thinking all Christianity once again, or were you thinking Catholicism specifically? Yeah, no, I, um, I, I like to say that like, that was my, like my intellectual conversion. And then later down the road, I have, you know, a spiritual conversion. Yes, yeah. And so my intellectual conversion, like, I, I, I don't think I would have, I, I never looked back. I was like, I know this is, I never, I've never like thought twice about my Catholic faith um, since, since, um, you know, day one of, of joining RCIA. Um, but I was having a crisis of like, yeah, what, like, where is God in this? Sure. Um, I thought I was doing his will. And, um, and then it started to get really convoluted spiritually and, and, um, and emotionally. And so I was always like, I know this, this church is great. And it was, it was there for me during the whole process, the whole painful process of that relationship. Um, so it only reinforced my faith in, in the church in a sense, but I started to, um, I just started to like, um, wonder like, what was God doing? You know, like why, why was like, when I was pursuing this Catholic relationship and it was just like making our lives miserable, the more we like leaned into it. And I got to a point where I just got so like, um, I was so, uh, like, just I guess beat up or like so just um broken down that I just said you know what like I can't back out of this thing everyone around us is thinking that we're like this couple and we are just you know everything is pointing to this direction like I feel like God is like telling me I have to do this to be like a strong male oh, <laughs> and to, like to, to stay in to stay marriage. in the, like yeah, yeah to stay in the relationship this was even before we were engaged. oh before got it yeah, yeah. and I just I, I couldn't even like, I couldn't even, you know, um, find the strength to, to like break it off. Um, and so I was just like, I started to feel more and more trapped more and more. Like I was just like, I don't, I was too afraid to, um, to leave that. 
And so I remember just thinking like, wow, I think God is just forcing me into this and I have to make this decision and to stay here. And so I just decided like, all right, it's not what I want. I told her it's not what I want, but I'll stay in this if that's what we have to do. Um, and I just leaned into it. And then soon after that, we got engaged and we had everyone fooled that it was great. Um, I had everyone fooled and, um, and then we end up getting married, you know, after like a nine month engagement or so six to nine months. Um, and then, um, yeah. And then basically after we got married, we immediately realized that it was a very big mistake. Um, and, and we, um, yeah, it was just, um, so, so leading up, like from that point where I kind of shut down emotionally in that relationship and just kind of said, oh, we just got to do this. Um, I had, you know, gotten back into being addicted to pornography secretly. Um, and I was hiding that from everyone and then hiding it from her, hiding it from everything. And I basically became this person that was, um, where I was, um, I was just like dying inside and then just trying to put up a front for everything else, you know? and just leaning into that. Um, so obviously that made everything worse. And then, um, and then I thought the marriage might fix that just getting married might like make the sure. lust go away or make sure. the issues go away. Yep. Um, Cause maybe that was the answer, you know, and then it just made everything infinitely worse. Um, and, and so we, um, yeah, so we were together for a, you know, a few months and then we separated um, probably after like between six and 11 months somewhere in there we just we we just separated so we just we just decided this is getting even worse so we need to we need this to find some you know our, ourselves on our own in a sense um and then yeah. once that was i guess finalized were you so that that loss of or that crisis of faith i'm assuming that continued post mm -hmm. divorce or post-separation, you eventually yeah. had a divorce, is that? Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So then that, how long did that continue after the relationship falls apart? Yeah, so um, so yeah, the relationship fell apart. And then um, I, I can't remember when I stopped going to mass or start, stopped kind of practicing, but I was, um, I was kind of just, um, yeah, fell into like this depression. Um, I was living on my own in isolation. Um, I was, you know, steeped in habitual sin and, um, and I just, you know, slowly stopped going to mass and was just kind of like questioning my faith. Um, you know, again, intellectually, like it, it, I wasn't really doubting any of the doctrines or anything. I was just like a, a faith level, like very basic level of like, what is going on here? What does this mean? Um, where's God in this mess? And, um, and so I basically, I think it was, um, it was a few months, if, if not maybe like six months that I was kind of living in that state where I would just, I was very, I would say very depressed. I would just be driving home from work and just um, have just like nothing to look forward to, just get home by myself and just um, medicate. And just, uh, I was just in this really bad position and that we were separated at the time. And I remember thinking like, I need to make a decision whether this is going to be a divorce or not. Like, and, and I was frozen. I was like, I'm afraid either way. I can't jump back into this. I can't jumpstart this. I know that it's, it, it's over um, and it needs to be over, um, but I can't go through with that on the strength and the, yeah. the willpower to like go through with it. So I just came to that point, like, okay, I can't just get a divorce, not like being in it, like not having my heart in there, not knowing why I'm doing what I'm doing. And so my, um, you know, that next Holy Spirit moment was like, um, go to a therapist, like just get help, you know, professional help. Cause I hadn't told anyone, um, like what the real struggle was. Like even my best friend, um, Kevin was like, oh, you guys are just like struggling emotionally. And so he didn't even know the backstory. He didn't know that I was, um, addicted, um, to porn again and things like that. So, um, I finally reached out to a therapist and it was a Catholic therapist. Um, God bless him, Paul, um, in San Diego, I, and I walked into his office, um, just at the low, one of the lowest points of my life. And he said, you know, so what are you, what are you here for? What are you, what are your goals? And I was like, very, very specifically, I remember spelling it out. I was like, I have two goals or three goals. One of them is to grow, get a backbone <laughs> to where I can, you know, 
stand up for myself, make my own decisions, be a strong person. Um, um, number two would be to, um, um, you know, quit um, porn again. And then the third one would be to um, make a decision about my divorce, not go through with the divorce, but just make a decision on this topic. Sure. And, um, and so that, that first session, he invited me to a men's support group. Um, and it was just full of a bunch of, you know, just super solid guys, um, you know, kind of like a 12 step program thing, but a lot more casual and, and a very Catholic driven um, sure. group of men. And I, he invited me and I went, I think it was like the next day. Um, and I went to the first session and that was the first time that I had just told the group of, of guys, like about what I've been actually going through for the last, um, you know, four years or so. And I like first time telling people, you're just putting, just being super vulnerable. And it, that was a switch that like, that was another one of those switches where like I was a new person leaving that group. And, um, and what I was realizing during that time was, you know, my therapist kept saying like, you need intimacy, you need this, you need to, um, you know, you're struggling for like, for love and, and intimacy and a vulnerability. And that was like a trigger that, that set off everything else in motion. And that next day I called up, you know, my, um, my separated wife and basically told her everything. I came clean about the addiction, about, about, um, going into the marriage, knowing that I didn't want this and, um, and making that more clear. And, um, and then it got real bad for a while after that, because that was a very difficult conversation to have. Yeah. Um, and then it only, I think it went uphill from that point. That was probably the lowest, one of the lowest points. Um, but, um, it was kind of that, yes, the, the therapy and the, the support group of guys that um, really got me back up on my feet and, and making solid decisions. And I started kind of continuing to go to therapy, started to get spiritual direction. And then pretty soon I was able to like go through with the divorce. And that meant, you know, telling everyone that what was going on, having a conversation with my father-in-law and telling him what was going on, just inviting him over, having a face-to-face, which I would have never been able to do prior to that. Um, and so, so yeah, that was kind of the, the start of, of the end for that, that relationship. And we, we ended up getting an annulment a couple of years later. Okay. So we were granted an annulment. Um, it was a pretty straightforward case, I think, based on what I, you know, based on what the, um, the kind of lawyer was telling us and, and everyone. So, um, yeah, I got to yeah, interject there and just say, first of all, you know yourself incredibly well. I can tell that, which is incredible. It's a testament to you obviously going to therapy and, and you uh, being in tune with the Holy Spirit. But also what you said about going into marriage as a facade. I mean, that was my story. And wow. completely. I mean, everything that you said pretty much is my story. And wow. Yeah. So the book I wrote was about me coming clean that, you know, I felt confronted uh, by the Holy Spirit while I was mm -hmm. on a walk at a park that I needed to confess to my wife. And so we're eight years into marriage and I spill my guts about my entire life. And so, yeah. So when you say that was the most difficult oh part or that was the low when you talk about the valley. Yeah, I I feel you. Um, wow. So just wanted to say that that's it's awesome that there are probably a lot it's not awesome that there are a lot of guys like this but <laughs> what you're describing lack of backbone addicted to various things mm -hmm. um completely the lack of backbone also speaks to you know you don't want anyone to know you so then you you just keep mm -hmm. the outside you know to quote scripture which i will not be able to quote verbatim mm -hmm. but um the outside of the cup outside the, the plate is clean inside yeah full of, uh, rapacity, you know, things like exactly. that. So that is a common theme in men wow, and it just yes. keeps snowballing. And then you have to keep this image, I guess, even more and more clean. Mm -hmm. So then the outside world says, man, what a, what a healthy couple. So I wrote that in the book where I'm like, wow, here we are as a family. It's like, smile, you're, you know, okay, everything's great. And I'm dying yeah. inside. Wow. Yeah, so yeah. once I spilled my guts, that meant there was hell to pay uh, in yeah. many respects. But God can build up those those circumstances or rebuild them. Um, and in your case, if you go back to post annulment, mm -hmm. you know, that's a chapter in your life. And 
what was the next step out of that? If you did you stay in that support group and they continue yeah. kind of help you figure out how to pick up the pieces and how to be transparent going forward, vulnerable going forward, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. It yeah. was um they they it, yeah, I kept going to the group. Um I kept going to therapy and um and my um the the next step was um my my therapist um recommended me read the book No More Mr. Nice Guy. Oh. Have you heard of this? No. I got it right here cuz I know the song, um, but I don't know the book. Let's see. Uh, is it backwards? No, no, no. no <laughs> it's no, no. by, um, yeah, it's by, uh, it's No More Mr. Nice Guy by Dr. Robert A. Glover. And um, this is the, this is the guidebook to, to me and who, who I am and what nice, who, what nice guys are, you know, and, and I'll just read this in the description here. It says, in a nutshell, nice guys believe that if they are good, giving and caring, they will in return be happy, loved and fulfilled. And that was like me in a nutshell, you know, it's like the idea that you, if you, you live a perfect life, if you do everything right, that you'll find peace, you'll find love and all those things. And it's a complete sham. Um, but it's, it's a generational thing too. You know, it was passed on to me from my, from my, um, from my dad and, and he got it along, you know, in that generation is where this nice guy syndrome comes from. And, um, you know, it doesn't mean that I got to be a jerk, but, um, you know, it's just understanding that fundamentally that's how I operated on so many levels that's what got me um into that you know into that relationship into the into the uh, divorce and the and everything that followed um because I just I hid everything from everyone um thinking that I could just fake my way through life um and I was never fulfilled and and if anything it destroyed everything around me so so he gave me this book and I, I read it and it has it has like actionable items of like sure like find things that you do to keep up your facade and fast from those. Like if you have a, if you keep your car clean because you want people to like feel that your car is like, you know, a representation of you having your life together, let it like, just let it build up, throw cans in the back, let it like trash up. And I was like, I could never do that. Like, it was like, these were like legitimate challenges, but there were certain ones that were like, have a conversation with someone and tell them, like something that you've haven't told anyone, you know, or something like that, you know, these things. And so it kind of like, I started putting into practice these things and it started to chip away at, at that part of me. And so at this point, my faith is like, I'm unsure again, like as far as like a, a faith, like in God kind of thing, even though I, I, I understand like where Catholicism is at play in that in a certain sense, intellectually, um, and I'm like rebuilding from like a, um, an emotional and, a um, yeah. you know, like a mental health perspective. And so that was where I started to like build those relationships, started to be open. And then it was like, I was addicted to like, like expressing my, you know, myself and like trying to like, you know, share with people what was really going on. And then it was like, it just started building up from there. And so I slowly kind of built back, um, like a healthy life again. Um, uh, but then there was one another time when I, I was feeling very healthy, but I was, um, I had, you know, got actually gotten back into a couple dating relationships with Catholic, with some Catholic girls. And they, each of them was just like, just, you know, just, um, very healthy, but I was just like, this isn't right for me. This relationship isn't right. It would end. Like there'd be something in there that would end this relationship. And then I'd be like, I am like, it took me forever. You know, it took me like two years to get to a point where I felt like I could date again. Got it. Um, and so I was jump, putting myself out there and these great girls, like holy girls were just being like um, taken away from me in a certain sense, the relationships would end. And um, I was like, just starting to get healthy and like, try to like find my faith again. And I would try to find it in these Catholic relationships. And I kind of like, that's how I was trying to get back into faith again was through these relationships and they would end and end like maybe like two or three, I would say um, two major ones. And I was just at a loss. I was like, this is, I'm not finding the answers for my faith. Um, and I am, I thought that I was like improved, you know, I thought I took care of the nice guy and I was improving and I was doing everything right again to where I would find the answers um, emotionally and, and in my faith. And I remember telling, I called up Kevin because Kevin would check in with me and I would say, Hey, you going to mass? You going to mass? He would always be there to you know check in. So I would always keep him updated. And I told him like, I just, I just can't, like, I don't know what a, 
a practicing Catholic life is for me anymore. Like, I just don't see where it connects with me as a person because I'm, I'm trying these things out and it's just not working. Like, what does that faith even look like? And he probably doesn't realize the extent that like of what he said had an impact on me, but he said, um, it's going to look different. Your faith's going to look different. I was like, wow. Like I just had never thought about it that way. Like, yeah, it's not going to be the same faith that I had found um, when I was hiding everything, when I was um, this different person, I I'm like a transformed person now. So my faith needs to be new. And so I just kept wrestling with that. What does a new faith look like? You know? Um, and so I just, that, that was kind of my meditation for a while and, um, trying to find answers. Um, and, um, and then that's when I met my wife now is during, during that time when I was kind of wrestling with those answers and, and where you felt obviously, like you said, healthy, healthy to be dating healthy because you had overcome a lot of all that. Exactly. Really? Yeah. 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 Incredible. Yeah. How long ago was that? If you don't mind me asking. That was, um, in 2000, um, 2017 was the year like that I was kind of, you know, kind of asking those questions and trying to get back in. Um, and then 2018 was when I met my wife. Um, so we got married in 2019. Um, and I, I met her in 2018 and I was kind of like off and on with mass. I was like, I know I want to practice, but yeah. it was just like, I know I want to be there, but it was just hard to like, get myself about a bed to go to mass and I was kind of lethargic about my faith um but I was still kind of I was still kind of searching and then I met I met her through a lot you know through some Catholic friends you know just a super solid group of friends um and I just like knew right away like she was different and like I had a very big respect for her and she just you know it was just such a like so, so strong emotionally um she just had like such a good faith um just such a good character and I was like drawn to that like her she was on like another level and I felt like I was like I want to be at that level like I want to be at that level with her um and I just need to you know know that my faith is real in that sense and so we I you know I asked her out and um she obliged and we we went on a few dates and it was just going really well um and then I decided you know I need to tell her like that um that I haven't like been going to mass every month or every, every week. Um, Cause she was obviously just like very devout. And so we had this conversation um, and I said, you know, I, I, you know, I haven't been going every week. And she's like, what? <laughs> like, she's like, so taken aback, like, okay, wow. That kind of changes like my perspective on this. And, and so we kind of had a heart to heart of like, she was like, I just need to know, you know, like my, you know, someone I'm going to date, you know, um, like, I, I want to date like a strong Catholic. That, that's like something I want to be a part of my future and, and my future family's life and all this stuff. Um, and I was like, me too. Like, I, I want that. Like, I know that at this point that my life has to be um, Catholic and I just am searching for the, you know, the day-to-day like reality of that and what that means for me. And so, you know, we kept dating and kept having those conversations. We go to mass together, everything was like kind of falling into place. And, um, I remember, um, I remember journaling and saying like, okay, how is this different? Like, is this the same thing that I've been through where I find this Catholic girl and then like, um, you know, things change. And I, I realized that the difference was that with those other ones, I was like grasping for this relationship, like dependent on the relationship as opposed to being dependent on God. And I, I just like clicked that night. And I just thought, um, like, I have to be okay with this relationship ending. Like it's, we're just dating, but I have to, she's, you know, she's the girl that I want. And um, if, if this is going to be about God and not about me or not about her, then I need to be okay with this ending because I'm not like at her level. Um, And so um, I kind of like surrendered, like, okay, I I don't think, I don't know if this is going to work out or not. Like, I don't know if I deserve it or if I'm at that level. And so I, um, I just had that, that moment where I kind of let go and said, let's just see how this goes, you know, and let's see how my faith plays out in this. Um, and then I, I think I just started to learn a lot of lessons that, that night about, um, about how all the failed relationships have led me to that point of saying, I can't rely on these relationships as being my, as being my faith. Like it has to be about God and not about 
these relationships. And it, it, that was a turning point. And I think that was my, um, that was my um, spiritual and emotional conversion because my faith just like, I think matured in that moment where I was, wow, this is, this is far beyond what I'm trying to organize in my life or my relationships or about love or anything. It was really about like a surrender and a um, trans transformation through all the, the hardship and the broken relationships and the pain and the addictions and you know, all that stuff. And it, it all just started to make sense, I think, in my faith. And that's when it just, I think, <laughs> then, our, and then everything just took off of me and my wife. And um, we just had such a good relationship and such a, a fun um, wedding. And um, it's just, it's just insane to look back and see where I was and how I got to such a, an awesome, to find such an awesome wife and such a, a good, a good holy woman and, and a healthy relationship. <laughs> it's just, it's like a, the transformation is just like, I just can't otherwise understand how that would happen other than God's grace. And um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'll reiterate what I said. It's just great to see um, you being able to, yeah, just keep the transparency going, the vulnerability. I think more men, whether they're watching this video or, or other videos, can just see like, yeah, here. Okay. It's one thing to say, I was in addiction and now I'm not. It's, it's I think, even more helpful to be able to uncover, okay, what was actually happening under that? Because if we just keep going around saying I was addicted and now I'm not, yeah. without an explanation of knowing yourself, then I think you could revert to old habits yeah. but when you understand it's really understanding the emotions i'm learning about this a lot in um in school mm -hmm. and that is making sure that the reason comes first you know your reasoning comes first yeah. and your emotions are subject to mm -hmm. your reasoning and everything before i confess to my wife is purely reason was way down yeah. emotions were way up and it just causes a, a bunch of issues. But I think it's great to be able to talk about that, like I said, and to be able to mention therapy and mm -hmm. how that led to this healthy understanding of who you are um, and yeah. where God wants you to be. And to have a future wife that is able to kind of draw that out and, yeah. hey, this is what I need in my future yeah. husband. And for a man <laughs> to say that, that makes sense. I'm going to step it up because yeah. that's how you have a healthy family. Um, so yeah, I think we'll, we'll have to end there unless you had something else you want to add. No, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's the that's story. Really it. That's the story <laughs> sticking to it. <laughs> Dude, what a pleasure yeah. meeting you. Uh, I, I wish yeah, you the best man, your family also pray. And uh, anyone that's watching, Pray for Nate's ex-wife. That's something we don't talk about. We bring up yeah. people and as part of the story. Let's pray for everyone that's part of the story because everyone has a, a story themselves and we all need prayer. So, um, yeah. yeah, with, with that, uh, thank you for watching and take care and God bless. Bye. Thanks, Lydie.